are listening to your community-supported radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. It's 6 p.m. Tuesday, October 19th, 2021. I'm Joyce Miller, and this is the KVMR Evening News. Right after the BBC headlines, walking is healthy, right? But sidewalks have become scarier during the pandemic. The California report looks at a recent surge in pedestrian fatalities. After regional news and weather, Paul Emery checks in with economist Gary Zimmerman, and Circle attempts to measure the effect of increased visitation on Nevada County. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. While much of the focus in the days and weeks following the massive oil spill in Orange County has been on cleanup efforts and the investigation into what caused the offshore pipeline to rupture, many local businesses continue to struggle. Scott Brenneman owns Westcott Fishing Company. He testified during a congressional hearing in Irvine yesterday. A couple of days after the oil spill, they had closed the Newport Harbor. And so my boat was actually trapped inside the harbor. So I wasn't even able to go service my accounts. And it's just been very difficult couple weeks. And I'm not sure how long this is going to last. And Scott says his family has been fishing in the area for decades. And his father's fishing operation struggled for months following an oil spill in the 90s. He says he's facing the same challenges right now. Vipe Desai is a founding member of the Business Alliance for Protecting the Pacific Coast. It represents the economic interests of thousands of coastal businesses in California. He talked about what they need. Really, at the end of the day, what these businesses want, they just want to get back to business on their own. They want to contribute to the economy. The only help they want is from their customers to keep business. They don't want a handout or a hand up or anything, but in circumstances like this, any assistance is welcome. And he says the oil spill has had a ripple effect across much of the economy in many beach communities in Orange County, where tourism and foot traffic are needed to stay afloat. How safe do you feel walking or riding a bike on your city streets? Well, October is National Pedestrian Safety Month, and it comes as cities across the state are grappling with a spike in pedestrian deaths and injuries. Just listen to this sample of recent news reports. One person is dead and another recovering this morning after a hit and run in San Francisco. A deadly car crash involving a pedestrian in South Sacramento. A two-car crash left a pedestrian dead and another person rushed to the hospital in Pico Union late last night. A chaotic scene under a San Diego overpass where three people were killed and six others injured this morning when a driver plowed into people on the downtown sidewalk. The way he was riding down the sidewalk, it was like he didn't take his foot off the gas until he got to the other side of the street. Last year, pedestrian deaths in the U.S. surged by more than 20% compared to the previous year, even though there were far fewer cars on the roads because of the pandemic. So what's going on here? And how come ambitious California programs meant to cut pedestrian deaths don't seem to be working? We talked about these issues with Leah Shihaum, executive director of Vision Zero Network, which advocates for safer streets in the state. So, Leah, before anything else, why do you think we're seeing so many traffic deaths, particularly pedestrian fatalities, 
over the last year when traffic because of the pandemic went down so substantially? I think, unfortunately, we're seeing a lot more cases of high speeding and dangerous driving, reckless driving. Um, and we're not sure if that's because people are, you know, so cooped up, frankly, and, and, and a little bit more on the wild side and or if having more open roads or less crowded roads really just kind of is inviting people to speed and be more reckless. But I, I know we are we are seeing that and reading studies and, and analysis across the nation. It's happening. And even though we're seeing cars and trucks return to the road now and our, and our streets and highways and freeways are once again crowded, we're still seeing a very high rate of death and injury of pedestrians and cyclists and other drivers. That's right. And, and I think what we're seeing now reflects the ongoing problem of building an everyday transportation system that really has been built for speed over safety. We really have prioritized speed and the perception of convenience over true access for everyone. Traffic crashes are not happening in, a, in an even way. What we're seeing is that some communities are really overburdened by traffic crashes. And those are children, those are senior citizens, those are people walking and biking, and they're communities of color and people in low-income neighborhoods. This really is an issue of justice and equity because when we look out there, we say, wow, where are the majority of fast-moving, high-speed streets? Where do the freeways touch down more often? Where do we have a lack of sidewalks and bike lanes? Over and over again, it's these communities that have really been underserved. Well, let's talk about the solutions. I mean, your organization is all about reducing traffic fatalities, you hope to zero or as close to zero as you can get. A lot of cities have adopted that as a goal, like San Francisco, like Los Angeles. They've adopted as a goal that's soon approaching, some like in the year 2024. I mean, come on, we are not going to make that 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 zero goal, zero fatality goal in that amount of time. Have you come to accept that? You know, setting a goal is one thing, making real change is another. What we need to see more of in cities is lowering speed limits and redesigning roads so that people are not going as fast as they are today. The truth is when, when people crash, you, maybe you have a fender bender, maybe you have a broken ankle. Those are, those are un, you know, they're, they're, you wish you didn't have them, but they're survivable, right? What we're trying to do is say, look, crashes are going to happen. We're going to have crashes out there. How do we make them survivable? How do we make sure there are not deaths and severe injuries? And that really comes down to speed. So everybody can get where they need to go while driving, walking, biking, or riding a bus or riding a scooter. But maybe they just need to go a little bit slower and give more people space on the road. Those are absolutely doable things to, to make happen. All right. That is Leah Shaham, executive director and founder of the Vision Zero Network. Leah, thank you so much for joining us on the California Report. Thanks, Saul. Appreciate it. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash Adapting Care. Water heaters only, specializing in the repair and replacement of water heaters since 1968. Licensed and insured, open 24 hours a day, every day. Learn more at WaterHeatersOnly.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. 
All right, that is the California Report for today, Tuesday, October 19th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Remember to check out our daily podcast and subscribe to it so you can stay informed about what's happening in the Golden State. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. In regional news, the Nevada County Office of Emergency Services has put out the word that with rain in the forecast, this is a good time to prepare for possible flooding. Residents can pick up free sandbags at four self-serve locations in Nevada County. Bring along a shovel and gloves. The four locations are Highway 49 and East Broad Street in Nevada City, Penn Valley Fire Protection District, 10513 Spenceville Road, Penn Valley, the North San Juan Community Hall at 10057 Reservoir Street, and the Higgins Fire Department, 10106 Comby Road, Auburn. Victims of the Summers River Fire in Nevada County have less than a week left to apply for federal disaster assistance, according to the California Office of Emergency Services. This applies to uninsured or underinsured victims of the summer's wildfires. Monday is the deadline to apply to the Federal Emergency Management Agency and Small Business Administration. More information is online at disasterassistance.gov. Ubinet.com is posing the question, is it okay to use an indoor wood stove even with the burn ban still in effect? The answer is yes, if it's done safely. With cooler temperatures and precipitation on the way, Ubinet has some timely reminders. Build small hot fires rather than large smoldering ones. Use seasoned hardwoods, which produce less smoke. Install smoke detectors and carbon monoxide sensors or check the batteries in existing ones. Properly and safely dispose of ash. Other tips on burning wisely are available from the Northern Sierra Air Quality Management District. Burning safely not only reduces health risks, but also reduces the chance of chimney fires or worse, says Ubinet. In the weather for our region, this evening we're in a little break between weather systems. Showers are expected to develop late Wednesday, turning to rain Thursday with possible light snowfall in the Sierra above 6,000 feet. The forecast gets progressively wetter as we head into the end of the week. Heavy rain and snow are possible late Saturday into Monday, with multiple inches of rain possible in the valley, foothills, and mountains, according to Ubinet.com. Ash and debris flow could occur in recently burned areas. Tonight in Nevada City and Grass Valley, cloudy with light rain developing around midnight and a low of 49. Wednesday, overcast with occasional showers, a high of 55 and a low of 52. Chance of rain is 60%. In Truckee tonight, mostly cloudy with a low of 36. Wednesday in Truckee, cloudy with a high of 51 and a low of 41. The chance of precipitation stands at 24%. In Sacramento, cloudy tonight with a low of 53 and occasional rain developing around 10 p.m. Wednesday in Sacramento, overcast with rain showers at times, a high of 60 and a low of 55. Chance of rain Wednesday is 40%. The air quality throughout the KVMR listening area was good today and is expected to be good Wednesday.
In his bi-weekly chat with KVMR's Paul Emery, economist Gary Zimmerman finds some bright spots beyond the headlines about rising prices and lagging job growth. This economic report is sponsored by Rick Kelb, wealth management advisor with Northwestern Mutual since 1983 on Spring Street, Nevada City at rickkelb.com. Well, Gary, um, welcome to KVMR News. Thanks, Paul. It's always good to contribute to the KVMR News. Let's start with um, the latest inflation numbers. Aren't they showing more rapid increases in inflation than we've seen in, in quite some time? Yes, Paul. The most recent inflation numbers have spiked, especially in, in basically in 2021 as the economic recovery in the first half you know, picked up speed in the first half of the year, you know, as labor markets have tightened, um, retail sales and consumer spending has remained fairly strong. Um, you know, and then you add in things like the Delta variant hitting the economy and the COVID supply claim, claim, excuse me, supply chain disruptions that are leading to shortages in a number of products. You know, both of those are again likely to contribute to the spike in the inflation rate or the overall, you know, price level. So, yep, it's up. Yeah, just how fast is inflation rising this year? Is it anywhere comparable to, say, the late 70s or the early 80s? That was um, that was Jimmy Carter's time back then. <laughs> yeah. I know, Paul. This inflation is at a, you know, right now at a 4 to 5% annual rate, and it does not compare with the 10 to 15% annual rate of inflation, you know, at least the peaks that we saw 40 and you know, almost 50 years ago. So, uh, no. Uh, both the personal consumption expenditure price index, um, this is based on GDP data, and the consumer price index, or the CPI, which is based on surveys of consumer prices, have jumped on a year-over-year basis um, as the economy has been recovering from the COVID recession. Um, and so we should now pick a let's run through the key measures today. So the latest uh, personal consumption price index number, um, and this is important uh, because this is the inflation rate that the Federal Reserve uses to measure inflation, and it's the measure that they use with their 2% average inflation goal. It was rising at about a 1.9% annual rate in January 2020, just before COVID hit, and it has now climbed to, um, in, in the year ending in August, it has climbed to 4.3%, so it's you know, a little more than doubled. Um, the yeah. CPI, Consumer Price Index Inflation Measure, which is also important, it's linked to many labor contracts and annual Social Security increases. It rose from about 2.4% in January 2020, pre-COVID. It's now, um, for the year ending September, uh, up to 5.4% at an annual rate. So, you know, we're in that 4 to 5% range, um, and that is quite high, but not nearly where as high as it was in the, in the 70s and early 80s. Uh, Gary, I've read that uh, Fed Chair Jay Powell has indicated that the increased inflation is expected to be temporary as the economy rebounds, but the short but really deep uh, recession from the COVID. Now, that was in the early in early 2020. Is that uh, correct? Yes, I think Chair Powell uh, at the Federal Reserve has made a good case for the increases in inflation to be temporary. Uh, the economy has been growing or had been growing very rapidly in the first half of the year, about three times faster than its normal <laughs> pace of growth. Uh, labor costs and producer prices have risen with the expected temporary labor and supply shortages. You know, those will persist for a while. 
uh, but are not likely to be permanent. Um, the, you know, the stimulus that the Fed has been providing to the economy is generally expected to be, uh, start to be removed over the next several months. It may take a, a year or two or more to, to remove all of that, but still, you know, that, that will take away some of the pressure on, on prices. Um, still, not all Fed policymakers or uh, all economists are convinced that inflation is temporary. So it's an important thing for everyone to, to monitor and to, to be thinking about. Uh, one more question, Gary. Wasn't the number of new jobs that were created in September well below what was expected? Yes, Paul. The economy only added just under 200,000 jobs in September. Um, that's after a smaller than expected August increase of, I think, about 366,000, uh, the revised data. Uh, but those, you know, those numbers were tiny compared to the roughly million jobs that were created in both June and July of this year. So now the slower job growth is a concern because, you know, while the economy has added over five and a half million workers over the past 12 months, you know, we're still down almost five million workers or jobs since the, the beginning of the, pandemic. Thank you, Gary. Well, we look forward to our next chat in two weeks. Okay. Gary Zimmerman is a retired senior economist for the San Francisco Reserve in San Francisco and currently is a visiting professor at the Vienna University of Economics and Business in Austria, where he teaches courses in economics and finance. The deadline is coming up Saturday to complete a citizen survey by Circle, which is attempting to assess how increased visitation has affected the Yuba River and our community. Felton Pruitt has this interview. We're talking with Betsy Bruner from Circle, the South Yuba River Citizens League, who have put out their visitor impact survey, and the deadline for returning that is this Saturday. So let's talk a little bit about this, Betsy. Great. I'd be happy to answer any questions. First off, why are you doing the survey? What is the purpose? The reason why we developed the survey is because we've been hearing a lot this year and last year about the impacts that the increased visitation is bringing to the river. And so we did host a town hall, co-hosted it with UBANET last month, and we wanted to launch this survey so that we could hear from more voices, give more people an opportunity to weigh in on how increased visitation is impacting them, why they want to preserve it, what activities that they support, which ones do they not want to see, and then also what kinds of infrastructure changes they might want to see and what kinds of attitudes they have toward long-range impacts to Nevada City and Grass Valley, including like a decrease in problems accessing affordable housing, um, living wages, and so on and so forth. So it really covers quite a lot of ground. It's not just necessarily specifically about the river then? It's mostly about the river, but then at the end we kind of zoom out to what other impacts is that all those people going to the river having on the community as in the off-season and everything from increased revenue from Airbnb and increased revenue to restaurants and also stress on certain kinds of infrastructure, including parking, and also like at the state parks, you know, do they have enough support to hire the, for example, rangers that they need in order to help patrol the trails. 
This past summer, of course, we saw an amazing increase of visitors coming up here because of all of the heat and just to get away from the valley's heat and the smoke, too, sometimes, um, even though we had the smoke as well. I can see that being a very valuable tool. Uh, so the deadline is Saturday to turn it in? Yes, we're hoping to get as many answers as possible, as many people to respond as possible by Saturday the 23rd, and then we'll start analyzing the results on Monday the 25th so that we can then present them to the Yuba River Public Safety Cohort as well as the public before the holidays begin. So if somebody wants to get a survey, how do they go about that? You can go online to yubariver.org. It's on our homepage on the top slider. It's the first image that you'll encounter. And if you click on that link, it'll take you to the survey. How long has this been out? We released this on October 1st. And then we are leaving it open three weeks in order to reach as many people as possible and hoping that people, in addition to filling it out, will share it with any family, friends, coworkers, or people that they think might want their voices heard. Because like I said, we will present our findings along with recommendations from the information that we gather through this. I think it'll be a really important tool moving forward to know what the public does and doesn't want to see. Who will you be giving your findings to? We'll first present them to the Yuba River Public Safety Cohort, which is a number of different organizations put together, and it's led by Supervisors Hall and Hoke. And it includes representatives from different land managers. It includes nonprofit organizations. It includes county officials. And they've been working for years to try to develop good messaging and ways to deal with and address concerns, especially as they deal with safety uh, to the river. So, for example, this summer, of course, we had a lot of fires started, and this group comes together to discuss the impacts of that, concerns, uh, lessons learned, how to prevent further fires, and so forth. Well, thanks for all the information, Betsy. We've been talking with Betsy Bruner from uh, the South Yuba River Citizens League, which is known as Circle affectionately around here. Give the website one more time so people can find the survey. Sure. It's yubariver.org. Thanks a lot, Betsy. Thank you, Phil. That's our newscast. Coming up next at 6.30, it's Educationally Speaking, Hosts Scott W. Lay and Kimberly Ewing and their guests focus on the partnership between the Sierra Academy of Expeditionary Learning and the Bear Yuba Land Trust. And at 7 p.m., it's Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman. KVMR gets support from you, our listeners, and from Ready Nevada County, encouraging preparation for fire season with resources, tools, and support. Recommending listeners register for Code Red Emergency Alerts, pack go bags, and know the evacuation zones. Information and details at readynevadacounty.org. And Mountain Recreation, locally owned since 2000. Offering seasonal outdoor adventure gear and apparel, also rentals with weekend kayaks and paddleboards at Scott's Flat Lake. On East Main Street, Grass Valley, mtnrec.com. The KVMR Evening News is produced by Claudio Mendoza and airs every weekday at 6 p.m. 
at our website, kvmr.org. You can find stories you may have missed and expanded versions of many of our interviews. And you can listen to the KVMR News wherever you get your podcasts. This is Joyce Miller signing off. Have a wonderful evening.